0: Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio. Show.
1: All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refused to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for April the 15th in the year of our Lord 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law that the am, the constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. One of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration. That bears repeating because it shows our true intent. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. First order of business. A quick recap of yesterday's broadcast. We had on our buddy Larry Pratt, formerly with with Gun Owners of America. Now he's retired, but he's always up for the discussion of all things liberty. That's what we did. We talked about CNN, now officially the hate Trump Network, Washington Times. Yeah. A CNN staffer can be seen in a newly released undercover video created by Operation Veritas or James O'Keefe and crew calling out his own network, listen carefully, for propaganda and boasting that the cable news giant successfully removed former President Donald Trump from office. Look at what we did. We got Trump out, said Charles Chester, a network technical director at CNN. Okay, that's what he said to an undercover journalist from the political action group, Project Veritas, James O'Keefe and crew. James O'Keefe and crew. Anyway, that's serious business, folks, and I submit to you that it's, it's, it's treasonous. And I talked to Larry Pratt about that. He was a little bit hesitant on calling it treasonous, but he did say it was wrong for sure. My next guest, Michael Peruca, doubled down and said it was treason and we got to. And Michael Peruca, a constitutional attorney, don't you know, literally said we got to put a stop to this, man. We cannot let these secret combinations get above us. We must take action right away. They're, destroy, they're destroying the country. Now, no conspiracy theory at all. U.S. calls for, they say, a pause in one COVID vaccine, but I don't think it's a pause at all. I think that's a lie. Johnson & Johnson vaccine halted is the better phrase that should be used. In the U.S. over what they say is a rare clotting effect. I don't know how rare it is. That's what's being investigated. Yeah, late last month, Johnson & Johnson, by the way, had another problem. The company discovered that workers accidentally contaminated a box of vaccines, forcing them to throw away a ton of millions of doses of vaccines, putting the whole factory in doubt. So Johnson & Johnson taking a beating. Both the CDC, though, and the FDA have launched investigations into the vaccines causing blood clots. J&J and the AstraZeneca vaccinations made with the same technology. Both vaccines are now being under investigation for clotting incidents. Now, they say that it's temporary, that it's just a pause. But here's what I know. That's a lie, and I'll prove it to you. Either they know the outcome of the investigation and they're already going to just schnooker you and not really do an investigation, just play games. Then they can say, well, it's temporary. They'll be back after we run the scam, run the fake investigation, come back, tell you that all is good, and therefore they would resume vaccinations, Right. However, what if they do a real investigation and it comes back that it is way worse than they thought? It's not as rare as they thought. It's a very big concern, and therefore, the, you know, vaccines aren't safe to come back on the market. Then they wouldn't be temporarily halted, would they? No, they wouldn't. So either they're lying to you and they're going to conduct a fake investigation, and they know that the outcome is going to be no big deal, no harm, no foul, turn the vaccines back on. We're just doing this for political theater and show. Okay, that's one case that they know it's not a real investigation, so they already know the outcome. The other one is they're lying to you because how do they know until the investigation is complete if it's temporary or not? See how I said I'd prove it to you? Yeah, the government says anyone who has recently received the vaccines and who's experiencing symptoms such as headaches, abdominal pain, leg pain, shortness of breath, should contact their doctor. Anyway, I guess it's CVST is the uh, illness that people are getting from this thing. Cerebral, cerebral venous sinus thrombosis is what, is, what it is. So I, I just want to be clear with you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not trying to be offensive or too abusive to your government, but look, they deserve it. Don't tell me that you've temporarily halted the vaccines. And then tell me you're going to do an investigation to find out the truth. Because if the investigation leads you to then bring back the vaccines, fine. You could say it was temporary after the fact. But when you halt the vaccines because of concerns, and then you're going to investigate the severity and the details, how do you know it's temporary? Either you know the outcome of the investigation, you going to come back and say no harm, no foul, it's not a real investigation, so you know what the results are going to be, or you're lying to the people. Either way, you're lying to the people, right? In one case, you already know the outcome of the investigation, so it's a sham investigation. In the other case, what is it? You're saying we don't know the results of the investigation, but it's on temporary hold and the vaccines will be back, what, regardless if the investigation uncovers the truth that they're more dangerous than we thought? See, how can they make a claim that it's temporary? See, that's just bogus news reporting. All right, second hour, we had our buddy Michael Perutka, 2004 presidential candidate on the Constitution Party, well-known attorney, founder of Institute on the Constitution, The American view of law and government, theamericanview.com, is website, summarized in the Declaration of Independence, the American view of law and government states three things. One, there is a God. Two, our rights come from God. And three, civil government is, the whole purpose of government is to preserve those God-given rights. So there is a God. Our rights come from God. And the whole purpose of government is to secure our God-given rights, join our mission, To restore the constitutional republic through education. Here's what you got to do you got to pray, you got to study, and you got to act, says Michael Perutka. And by the way, he's the newest uh, Liberty Roundtable consistent co host, if you will. The second or the the second or fourth Wednesdays of the month, he'll be with me. Great stuff from Michael Perutka, theamericanview.com. Rand Paul boldly stepping out, doing a great job, too. Here's what Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, says. Throw away your masks and burn your vaccine passports. Amen to that. We also heard yesterday on the broadcast, women seeking an abortion pill will not be required to visit a doctor's office anymore during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's the latest reversal in the ongoing battle over the murder medication. So we're talking about ru forty six abortion pills you don't even have to go to a doctor you just go online and kill your baby now you can't go online and have an alternative view of vaccines or 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 go online and say i believe that there was a um, an insurrection at the capitol but it was by government insiders not by the patriots uh you you can you can't go online and have your own opinion by golly they'll shut you down here but if you want to go online and order by secret murder medication to kill your baby by all means says the biden administration i mean we live in a sick sick society ladies and gentlemen all right without further ado that's a recap of yesterday's broadcast available at libertyroundtable.com and lovingliberty.net spread the word tell the tale listen for free and share it with your friends would you please if you have the heart to help donate liberally as well by the way, this half hour is brought to you in part by Raw Honey, delivered directly to your door. To learn more, get a hold of Kurt Crosby. That's Kurt, C-U-R-T, at LibertyRoundTable.com. Or call or text 801-669-2211. That's 801-669-2211. Or finally, you can go to LocalHoneyMan.com for Raw Honey, delivered directly to your door. Without further ado, news that networks refuse to use starts now. Eldon Stall with me, field coordinator for the John Burt Society, JBS.org thenewamerican.com. Welcome back, my good friend.
2: Oh, thank you. Great to be here, Sam. Good to hear your voice.
1: Oh, there's so many things to talk about, so little time to get it done. Let's start with the first interesting thing, in my opinion. The U.S. Capitol Police officer who fatally shot the veteran Ashley Babbitt during the January 6th riot at the Capitol will not face any charges after an investigation into the incident, the Justice Department said. What do you think about that? No accountability for the cop that shot Ashley Babbitt at all. They said, they there's no proof that he unreasonably acted. Therefore, no charges. Uh, you comfortable with that, Eldon?
2: Well, I don't really know the situation around that, what, uh, you know, all that uh, officer faced and uh, what with- – what their protocols were. But, uh, uh, so I know, I know a lot of people want to say, okay, let's throw the officer under the bus and, uh, you know, try them and, and all that. But, uh, certainly there should be an investigation anytime there's a use of uh, force, especially uh, deadly force. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something very serious. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes that's, sometimes that's necessary.
1: Now, here's my problem. I don't have a problem with the process working, and I'm not here to judge the process if I don't know all the details, etc. I agree with your wise point on this. Um, We need to not throw people under the bus. We need to get the facts and the details, which we don't have, so it's very difficult to judge. What I don't like about it is we don't have any transparency, though. We don't know the cop's name. We don't know any history of this police officer. We don't really have the details of exactly what, you know, how it all went down. Uh, And that's something that, you know, it's debatable whether it should be shared in detail with the American people or not. But I find it very interesting that almost every time the cops just get off, everybody else at the riot, you know, supposedly was terrorists and without any evidence. In the court of public opinion, we barbecue everybody else, but we're going to protect the cops in this case without any transparency. That, to me, is of great concern. When we come back, we'll have Brian Russ join, get his opinion on that as well, plus an honest money update on your radio.
3: just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org.
4: Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody have having a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. And there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency.
5: All right, back with
1: you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Eldon Stahl, JBS.org, Brian Rust, RustQuiettingHip.com, all on your radio. Man, the think take doesn't get better than that, does it, folks? So, Brian, just before the break, I was mentioning, you know, they shot this Ashley Babbitt girl, a veteran at the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th. And nobody knows the name of the cop that killed her, really, and there's not really any transparency now they say, that, hey, the cop's not going to face any charges for that at all. There's no evidence that he acted uh, irresponsibly or anything like that. So the Justice Department says, hey, no charges. Uh, normally I understand and I accept the process of things. You know what? Let the courts do their job. We don't have all the internal details, so we can't make a judgment on this. But to me, there's kind of an issue of transparency here. Everybody else that went to the Capitol is guilty of insurrection, just like Donald. But yet the cop that killed somebody, literally killed somebody, we're not even really going to dig into it very much. We're going to quickly look and go, hey, no harm, no foul here. But yet there's not really any transparency for any of us about what really happened, et cetera. We know the mainstream press lied about a lot of the events of that day. They've been caught with their hand in the cookie jar. What do you say to all that, Brian?
6: You comfortable with that? Well, I'm, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. But isn't that the way things are running and have been running for the last two or three years, four year, you know, years? Because uh, – seems like transparency is very evident on one side, but on the other side, we're just going to tell you what we want you to know or hear or whatever, and no big deal. No accountability.
2: Eldon, you want to respond? Well, perhaps uh, another angle to this, uh, if we compare this to what's gone on in Minneapolis with this whole thing with uh, uh, Mr. Chauvin, uh, obviously everybody knows his name and he is going under trial. Uh, But with the incident at the U.S. Capitol, it seems like the the media just said, well, it was a Trump supporter, so she deserved to die, and uh, we're not going to question this. And and the other thing is that uh, you are talking about local police versus somebody that is, I don't know, national police or somebody that works for the federal government. So uh, it seems like the media has uh, this implied bias against people that are local police officers and saying, okay, let's just uh, agitate for riots and things like that over the death of somebody that died at the hands of a local police officer and, uh, you know, somebody that was um, part of this uh, intrusion into the U.S. Capitol. Uh, well, no big deal. So it's a very different treatment of the different situations.
6: Yeah.
1: You want to respond to that, Brian? Because I agree, he's got a valid point, and I, I have a problem with that whole. That's my whole point is that the contrast is amazing. One, we get every little detail that the guy ate, you know, a burrito for breakfast kind of stuff. But yet, on this other one, there's nothing, buddy. It's like, wait a minute, hold on now. Let's, uh, you know, have accuracy here in media. Let's have accuracy in reporting, and you know what? Let's let's get to know the details a little bit better. Anyway, I just have concern uh, when that lack of transparency is there. There's no jury appears. There's no real details. It's like, hey, you know what, we're guarding the hen house, we're the fox, and we investigated, no hen problems in here, you know, and it's like, what? Anyway, I don't, I don't want to go on about it forever, but I do find that very concerning as we find out there'll be no charges whatsoever.
6: Well, yeah, I think Eldon's is right. I mean, you know, they kind of pick and choose. They, they don't want to talk much about this, but we're really going to push this. But, you know, the media, the media basically is, is pushing whatever their, you know, that agenda would be. Uh, our local area here we have a lady cop that's uh, you know gonna go to you know being uh, um, she shot a uh, individual with her gun instead of a stun gun and kind of you know they' they're you know saying okay well let's dive into this not not so much the credibility of the individual but the same thing they're picking and choosing whatever they want to do and uh, you know and it's it's just sad that uh, that we're kind of in this boat tell you the truth and no one will step up and say well wait a minute let's let's look at all the, the things, you know, or it seems like the Republican or the right or whatever, they seem to just, I don't know where they all are. It would be nice to have some of them step up and try to hear their voice.
1: Well, and that's the problem. You know, government has created this uh, kind of reality check of we can't trust them. And that's part of the problem, too. If You know what? If government had demonstrated over and over they do clean house, they do have transparency, they do have accountability, um, then, you know what, I would trust them when something like this occurs. I'd be like, you know what? I, I don't see that there's a reason not to trust them. Uh, but half the time, you know, LaVoy Finnicum comes to mind, the guy's dead, no accountability. Randy Weaver's wife, Vicky, dead, no accountability. You know, we see Waco people dead, no accountability. Garma's just killing people quite a bit. And every time we see scandal, we see cover-up, we see... And, and therefore, the trust is just destroyed, Eldon.
2: Yeah, uh, well, one of the things to uh, point out is that, you know, at the local level, for... For police, there are a number of different layers of, you might say, investigation that can be done into an incident for, for an officer. Um, now, I, there probably are a, a number of layers at the federal level, but the thing with the, with the federal officers, say U.S. Marshal or ATF or something, actually getting that accountability is more difficult because it's more removed from the incident. And uh, it, you might say it represents a larger number of people, so there has to be a larger movement to try to try to get that accountability. Um, when it's when it's local, it's something that's uh, you know you can you can get the of course the attorney general of the state involved. You can get the um, local county attorney general and the uh, local board of officers that investigate those and in professional conduct and all that. More difficult at the federal level. Good point. Sadly
1: true. The further away government is from the people, <laughs> the less accountable they are is the quintessential point here. All right, let's get a quick update on constitutional currency.
6: Uh, um, your paper-
1: how's honest money yeah. looking?
6: Your, your paper gold price today is seventeen forty seven fifty. Seventeen forty seven fifty. About the same as it was last week, maybe a couple dollars down. Uh, Your silver uh, paper price is twenty five point six five, so up a couple ten cents, five cents, something like that. All right,
1: silver was what again?
6: Twenty five sixty five.
1: Twenty five sixty five. Now the interesting thing about that is where? How much does it cost to buy a silver eagle silver
6: dollar? It went down, right? no it's still staying around that 38 37
1: 38 hey now hold on a minute how does that happen
6: man yeah demand goes
1: down by spot but yet oh (laughs) demand that crazy demand idea (laughs) you mean the supply doesn't meet the demand and if we had more supply it might
6: fulfill the demand is that what you're saying yeah
1: eldon what do you think of that idea Hey, the reason that spot first... went down is because of manipulating the dollar or whatever. And the reason it didn't go down in the real metal is because this thing called demand,
2: Eldon. At first, I thought you said the man. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> stick it that's to right. the man. Well, but... <laughs> the evil man is causing it
1: to uh, go awry. That's for sure as well. Now, what was gold at? 1747.50. 1747.50. So, anyway, I find that whole thing fascinating, though, Eldon. It's the demand factor. Hey, you know what? When people want that coin, there's so many people who want it, it just drives
2: the price through the roof. Yeah, well, that's that's how it works. Without, uh, without the government intervening in the, the free market, then uh, supply and demand actually works like supply and demand is supposed to work. I imagine that. You know, I, it,
1: I personally... Yeah. Um, re- I want the real dollar to stand up, though. I just want to go up to Joe Biden because we're, we're in the era where we're rejecting fake news, don't you know? So I want to go to Joe Biden and hold up a Silver Eagle Silver Dollar 2021 printed by the okay. United States Mint. Then I want to hold up a single Federal Reserve note dollar, uh, you know, peddled by uh, the Treasury through the Federal Reserve through whatever banking cartel. Through- and I, w- I just want to say, you know, will you please tell me which one the real dollar is? Because it takes me 38 of these suckers to buy one of these babies. And I just kind of need to know. Will, will you tell me the real dollar, please? What do you think uh, Joe would say? Brian first, I guess.
6: <laughs> will the real? Will the real uh, dollar please stand up? as I what we're trying to? <laughs> that's right. That's, yeah, that's a good. Question. But I, I want the yeah, president well... <laughs> of the United
1: States, the the man who is literally saying we got to have honest news, and we're going to shut down everybody that's peddling things that he doesn't think are fair or good or whatever. New, you know. Hey, let's answer this question. <laughs> We can ask that to Congress. We can ask that to all, what, nine Supreme Court justices? Or how many do we have? Seven, nine, 15? Is it going to grow? How many Supreme Court justices right. do we have there? And, 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 okay, let's ask them all, though. Let's ask all the judges. Let's ask all, let's ask the president. Let's go ahead and ask all members of Congress and have them all answer the question Which one is the real dollar? Because, you know, the government creates both of them. We have 2021 uh, paper dollars and 2021 Silver Eagle coin. Minted dollars. They both say a dollar on them. Somebody's lying, right? Yeah,
6: it'd be nice to see. Yeah. You do know, that game show where, uh, you know, the paper dollar guy stands up and the silver dollar, the old silver dollar Morgan guy stands up, silver ego guy. Stand, yeah, I'd like to see see that. Sure.
1: All right. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Eldon Stahl with me, JBS.org. Brian Rest with me. Restquittinggift.com. We are talking about. Liberty Roundtable Live's Honest Money Report, live on your radio.
0: Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
7: USA Radio News with Lance
8: Pride. 48-year-old Kimberly Potter, the former Minnesota police officer, has been charged with second-degree manslaughter in the shooting death of Dante Wright. Ms. Potter shot Mr. Wright as police attempted to arrest Dante for an armed robbery warrant after a traffic stop. Potter is out on bail after posting a $100,000 bond. Her first court appearance is scheduled for Thursday. A group of House Democrats is expected to announce a bill on Thursday that seeks to add four more seats to the U.S. Supreme Court, expanding it from nine to 13 justices. Earlier this month, President Biden made another executive order, this time forming a commission to study expanding the court. Representative Matt Gaetz, the Republican from Florida, announced Wednesday a six-figure ad buy for a spot that takes aim at CNN as part of a plan to help him fight back at mounting sexual misconduct allegations. Gaetz is under federal investigation following sex trafficking allegations, and the House Ethics Committee also opened an inquiry. USA Radio News.
7: Newsmax. You like Newsmax. I like it, too. Trump is right. Millions are tuning into Newsmax TV and going to Newsmax.com for real news. Some polls give Joe Biden a high job approval, even 60 percent. Now Newsmax is asking if you agree with that. Do you really approve of Joe Biden, his policies and four trillion dollars in spending? And do you think President Trump did a better job? Let us know. Vote in the Newsmax poll right now. Just text the word NORTH to 39747. That's NORTH to 39747. It takes just a minute. Let America know who you like better, Biden or Trump. Tens of millions are watching Newsmax TV, now on all major cable systems, smart TVs, and OTT platforms. And vote now in the Newsmax poll. Just text the word NORTH to 39747. That's NORTH to 39747. Let your voice be heard, and watch Newsmax today.
8: Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin says the United States is continuing to monitor the buildup of Russian troops at the Ukraine border. John Clemens from the Texas USA Radio News Bureau reports
0: that buildup is now estimated at 80,000 Russian troops. Speaking from NATO headquarters in Brussels, Secretary Lloyd Austin was questioned about the proliferation of Russian troops at the Ukraine border.
8: We continue to monitor very closely the activity there, and we continue to consult with our partners. As you have heard us say earlier this evening, we call upon Russia to cease their provocations and to be more transparent about, uh, about this recent activity.
0: Earlier in the week, Secretary Austin announced more U.S. troops will be deployed to Germany to strengthen deterrence in defense of Europe. As of today, Russia
8: continues to illegally occupy Ukraine's autonomous Republic of Crimea. Russia and Ukraine share 1,426 miles of border. USA Radio News.
0: Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Brian Russ, Russ RussCruitingGift.com with me. Eldon Stahl, TheNewAmerican.com with me. Ladies and gentlemen, income tax ought to be top billing for discussion as well on the broadcast. I mean, after all, it is the Honest Money Report. Income tax, it is tax day. Although I guess what happened is the day kind of got moved and jacked around because of the cocoa, don't you know? So they delayed it. Uh, Most people don't have to pay taxes on April 15th this year. They moved it back to May 17th for a lot of people. But if you own a business or whatever, it's not so simple, you still might have obligations. So beware my fellow Americans. Anyway, very interesting, uh, this direct tax day on income tax. Direct taxes were forbidden by the founders and the income tax, interestingly enough, is part of the communist (laughs) manifesto. Uh, Eldon, you wanna start there real quick?
2: Well, that should be where all the the thing that ends the discussion for any freedom-loving American, realizing that a, ne- a direct income tax is something directly out of the Communist Manifesto, and that should end the discussion, right? But
1: um, uh, you would hope, but not in yeah. America. We seem to love communism as Americans,
6: don't we, Brian? <laughs> yeah, we. There you go. Let's get mine. <laughs> Yeah, it seems know, and that sadly, way. I if mean, you really put of, the
1: Communist Manifesto side by side with the Constitution, you will be shocked at which one we seem to be uh, in love with, right?
6: Yeah.
2: Yeah, very true. I mean, you could uh, bring up the 10th plank of the Communist Manifesto. Uh, that's uh, the uh, government schools with uh, free tuition and all that. That's something that uh, just it, the average person will just vehemently defend as if that's something that's just American as apple pie, right? But – not it's me, right buddy. I'll shut Congress it down and call, call it
1: communism and tell you it's satanic, and those engaging in it uh, should be arrested for their criminal activity. That's what I'll tell you, sir.
2: Oh, that, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but,
1: but it, it yeah, is yeah, tax day. And it's tax. interesting to note. Right. It's interesting to note that a, about a hundred years ago, the tax day kind of kicked off, kind of the same time that honest money came into uh, into
6: vogue, if you will, Brian yeah how how convenient, huh? you know, it seems like there's there's been a lot of what do we call uh, dozens of empires out there who have gone from gold to their fiat currency, and how many of those have survived?:
1: What do you say to that, Eldon?
2: Yes, and not, not very many. Look at Zimbabwe and all these all these countries that have just debased their currency and printed up a bunch of phony dollars or phony whatever they want to call their currency. <laughs> and it just right. uh, just devalues it. Yeah,
1: all right, it's interesting to note, well, ladies and gentlemen, that a hundred years ago, instituting the income tax, the new american dot com writes an incredible article that chronicles kind of the history and the ill-positioned reality that the income tax has become, Eldon.
2: Yeah, basically, for much of the history of the United States, Uh, with the exception of the Civil War, we had no direct taxation on income. Uh, The federal government was funded by tariffs. Now, it's it's kind of funny, the the, uh, people that are kind of libertarian type of free free market, I don't know what you would call them, but they fancy themselves as free market type folks and they say, well, tariffs are terribly bad. Tariffs are, well, okay, Uh, do you like having Income tax then, was that preferable to funding the U.S. government? <laughs> uh, the thing with tariffs is it was an indirect tax. People could actually choose how much consumption they would have and actually avoid that tax to a certain extent. Uh, with the income tax that we have today, it's a direct tax. You cannot avoid it um, other than uh, there, there's a actually interesting quote, i have to, Dig it up here. But basically, when it was being debated, uh, one of the congressmen said that you know I think this tax is not so much about raising revenue because we we really haven't had that much difficulty raising revenue through um, through tariffs. But this is more about social change. And isn't that the truth? Isn't that why Marx wanted it? He wanted to change society and look at all yeah, this I think a lot you know, of it's about lost, social change yeah.
3: I think it a is.
1: lot of it's about using it as a whipping stick you know what you generate fear via the income tax that oh brian we're going to come and take all your possessions and kick in your door and haul your wife off and you know, you better comply under penalty of perjury there, Brian. And, and so it's a fear factor, and it's become kind of a leverage point for bureaucrats to get back at and persecute slash prosecute those who they don't like and those who uh, seem to oppose them and such like that. So I agree that they want to change society to a socialist utopia lie. Uh, eventually, the tyranny of communism becomes the, the friend of socialism and the companion and reality check as both roads lead to the same end game. Uh, nevertheless, uh, they want to use it though as a fear factor point as well. When the people are in fear of their government, tyranny is the result. Uh, Brian, you want to respond to that first?
6: Well, I think so. Yeah, you create the IRS, and you know people. You when know, the word IRS comes in, and that's oh wow, that's fear. That's that group that's going to come and dig into everything I've got, and then they they pick and choose what they're going to take. And yeah, no, there's there's that fear factor. Uh, you know, but you know, it's interesting. I mean, as you can see, the reckless abandon and just just create money at any given rate. They can't. The government can, but boy, if I if I if I want to start creating my own coins and so on, they're going to come and shut me down, and because I can't compete with that, and, and then so, but I'll ta- they'll, they're going to tax me, uh, or find some kind of thing that I didn't pay quite right, or some, I don't know. Yeah, there is a fear factor, right? That's kind of what they've created. But isn't that part of that socialistic? change and
1: yeah you think we'll ever get rid of the
6: income tax oh, yeah. eldon
1: i i find that uh, part of the communist manifesto but not part of the united states constitution i agree with you that we should have uh tariffs at the border to pay for the proper role of very limited a uh, very small federal government uh the other way that i think taxes can be legitimate it would be an apportionment tax Which means that you would come to the states and you would say, listen, Sam, there's 330 million people in America. There's 3 million in Utah. So you have, you know, 3 million of uh, 330 millionth taxes for your state. Here's the number, state. Now, state, you can work with your people to get it. And so they would just simply send out a notice that says, hey, based on the fact that, you know, you're one 330 millionth of the nation, here's the amount we need to have. Here's your apportionment based on that. And, you know, I think apportionments aren't direct either. It's based on the census. It's not based on personal information. I think there's a way we could go about that. And then the federal government would receive the money from the state. But the state would then have the power of the person say, upon good behavior, we'll go ahead and share with you our apportionment. Now, you better behave. We would have a lot of control that way, and it would not be direct. And that's the second tax I can think of that could be, to some degree, legitimate. I'd go for tariffs first, apportionment taxes second. Every other tax, though, I find to be flat out grievous to be born, sir.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and actually, that's uh, apportionment taxes—how uh, things used to be done. Uh, and states had some some control over that. There were, uh, <laughs> for several of these uh, instances in the past. What the federal government said is, we'll give you a 15% discount if you collect the tax yourself rather than having federal officers come and collect them. And <laughs> so, uh, some of the states took the discount, um, some did not. But, uh, but yeah, it had to be the 16th Amendment, which allowed the federal government to uh, to get rid of that, or to get rid of that uh, prohibition against uh, direct taxation that way. Uh, so far as whether we'd ever get rid of it. Yes, it's definitely possible. We'd have to amend the U.S. Constitution, or at the very least, we would have to have a um, a change in the way people view their uh, government, uh, the federal government and its role. Um, we're working on that throughout the country with uh, the John Birch Society, educating people. One of the things we got is the uh, Constitution is a Solution Series, which I would recommend everyone see. You can see it in groups. You can see it online at jbs.org. Uh, But that is a very, very good foundation, at least, of some basic principles. If if, uh, even, uh, let's say, 20 percent of the population were to see that or 10 percent, I would think uh, we would have a significant shift in uh, our government and people would wake up and say, wait a second, we don't need all this stuff. we just, you know, the federal government should just be very small and and, uh, we should we wouldn't have any justification for the taxes either to pay for all that.
1: Hey Brian, do you think they will at some point in America call a halt to the con game, sir?
6: No, well, I think they're going to push. The it seems to be they're going to push as hard as they keep pushing, and and uh, maybe fear's the factor or what. But I think and, and, you know, at some point, it seems like at some point we get pushed to the wall, and and I think we we start you know coming together and saying, you know, enough's enough, we're done. We're we're gonna we're gonna fight, stand up and fight. And I you know, I, I'm just I'm just irritated as the fact of of our. Uh, elected officials who promised and said, okay, we're going to help you do this. have just gone silent and they don't, they seem to just it's the good old boy club and that's about where we're at, so.
1: Sad <laughs> yeah. tale to tell, Brian and Eldon Wright. You got to go, Brian? I,
6: I got to run, but hey, you guys are awesome. Keep up the good work.
1: We'll let you fly. Brian Rush, RushCoinandGift.com, Thanks, Brian. ladies and gentlemen. You want an honest buddy in the coin business. You got it. Compliments of Liberty Roundtable Live. Thanks, Brian. All right, there he goes. When we come back, I want to talk about the ratification of the 16th Amendment a little bit, and I want to uh, document the lies that they perpetuated to peddle the dishonesty. We'll talk about
9: it. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular The solution to so many of our problems, at all times and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids.
10: Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of good will should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The calm before the storm by a friend of Mejigoria. The strategy of heaven revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205 672 2000.
0: Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Rust, rustcunninghip.com, had to fly. Eldon Stahl, still with me. Field coordinator for the John Birch Society, jbs.org, that website. They're also um, creators of the incredible magazine. It's one of the uh, in-print still, but online still, magazines that's just premier killer in depth reporting, the new com, The new com is where you go. And we're talking about the income tax because it's income tax day, although they put it off for most Americans because of the COVID. Nevertheless, it's still as abusive on May 17th as it would have been on April 15th. So it's still bad news, um, but they've delayed the abuse, if you will. But the ratification of the 16th Amendment is very interesting, and it has caused profound changes in our society. Folks don't even know what America used to look like is the point. But look, they peddled the lies. They said it was a tax on the rich. Well, that didn't turn out to be reality. Um, they said, hey, you know what, it's a temporary tax. we got to have it because of the war. So it came out long before World War II, but they really kind of ratcheted it up and said, hey, we got to have this now. So they, they implemented it back when the Federal Reserve, the fake money system was created back in like 1913. Uh, but then it really wasn't in vogue. It was kind of played with and tampered with and talked about and, uh, you know, starts and stops a little bit. But really in World War II, they said, we've got to have it to pay for the war, by golly. Got to have it to tax the rich. And got And they said it was a temporary tax that, well, we're still waiting for the temporary nature of it there. So I don't think we need an amendment to get rid of it. All we've got to do is say, hey, we're, we don't need the tax anymore. It was temporary, and so we're just going to get rid of it. I think it would be very easy to do because of the temporary nature of the way they pitched it in the beginning. Eldon, your thoughts? You with me, Eldon? All right, we'll try to get Eldon back here. Sorry Uh, about that. Yes, sir. We can hear you. No problem. I think Eldon was just muted, talking away. There you go, sir. We got you. No problem. So I'm saying that because they pitched it as a temporary tax, it would be very easy just to say, hey, it was temporarily in place. I know it was 100 years temporary, but hey, we're not going to have it anymore. I think it would be easy to do without an amendment because of the temporary way they sold it to us uh, in the first place. Your thoughts?
2: Well, Congress, yes, could just get rid of it. Uh, We could put enough pressure on Congress and they could uh, stop it. because uh, The 16th Amendment does not obligate the Congress to implement uh, the tax. It just says Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes on income from whatever source derived without apportionment, without regard to any census or enumeration. Uh, So that's the 16th Amendment. Uh, It doesn't say Congress is obligated must to, you know, or, to or do has that. to right yeah but it does empower the congress to do that to so- do something it was not empowered to do previously
1: yeah there's a lot but, of yeah, loopholes and debates surrounding that as well but i want people to understand how it was pitched it was pitched as a temporary tax uh it was pitched uh, to tax the rich it was pitched as a very very tiny tiny tax so people kind of said hey that makes sense but the ratification of the 16th Amendment and really the promotion of the income tax caused profound changes in America. And the real intention, in my opinion, is to put one of the planks of the Communist Manifesto uh, into the American uh, society and way of life. Uh, and that's really the problem that I have with it is hey, taxing my income is unconstitutional. It's the way, there's 10 ways that you push to make a nation communist. Income tax. Inheritance taxes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Those are the ways they make a nation communist. Those are the ways they peddle tyranny. Those are the way the government gets enough money to be above the people and then use that wealth, that war chest, against the people. And that's what we're seeing today,
2: Eldon. Yeah, and uh, you know, one interesting side note of that is that uh, the people that are pushing for a constitutional convention they'll say, "Well, we can trust uh, these states that are led by Republicans. They would never." ratify you know 38 states would never ratify some bad amendment well here we have uh, your great example the 16th amendment uh, I was in South Dakota at the time so I looked up I uh, got the journal records every single and it was like what 90 some percent Republican at the time uh, every single uh, legislator present at that time in South Dakota r- voted to ratify the 16th amendment Every single one, and it was overwhelmingly overwhelmingly republican. those are the ones that voted for it, uh, similar in many states so uh,
1: and it was a Republican it, Supreme Court that literally promoted Roe v Wade and said that we can murder babies too, by the way
2: yeah, good point, good point so uh you know people the people promote they say, well, we could trust republicans uh. Mm, I don't know. (laughs) Track record doesn't uh, speak that strongly on that. Amen to that. Now, the other thing that's interesting
1: is there's a whole lot of debate on if the 16th Amendment was truly properly ratified as well. Uh, I don't know if you know, but Red Beckman and others, uh, you know, put together a whole book on this where they went to every state and confirmed that, hey, you know what? Uh, We were told that states ratified it. that didn't really follow the proper process to ratify it. Uh, So that's even in question at this point.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's some people that uh, that uh, you know see that. I, I I don't know. I don't have any inside information on you know. Uh, can't I don't have a time machine. But uh, I've just been able to look at what's uh, at least officially on the record <laughs> in in South Dakota. And it's like, well, well, fortunately, I think Utah did not ratify the Sixteenth Amendment, which uh, you know, good on them, right? Absolutely. Um,
1: Hey, we'll take any good we can get, that's for sure. The real point to be made, in my opinion, is this. What the income tax does is gives the government way too much money. And when they have this big war chest, then they just find ways to use that money against the people. Let me give you an example. The Pentagon, the DOD, um, created via DARPA. I don't know if you know this, but they created a chip that goes under your skin. It's going to be released in 2021 And this chip, monitors your blood, and it will tell you if you have the COVID before any symptoms show up. Uh, I don't know if you know, but DARPA and the Pentagon, the DOD, with your tax dollars, created this chip. Did you know that, Eldon? Hmm. Uh, I haven't looked into that, but
2: yeah. tell me more about that.
1: Well, that's the deal. They just created a chip. Just <laughs> type oh, okay. in DARPA or DOD and just type in, you know, COVID chip. Or whatever, and it's basically there's headlines all over the internet about it where the Pentagon uh, via oh, DARPA created this chip. They were tasked with how to get rid of the uh, tasked. I should be clear with how to get um, you know these pandemics behind us or whatever. So the the uh, DARPA D A R P A chip uh, COVID is what you type into Google, and hey, you'll get all kinds of information. The headline says DARPA displays human implant. DARPA continues wow. to work closely well, with the Department of Defense. Me, but... Yeah.
2: Wow. That's, Pentagon that's, uh...
1: scientists invent a microchip which can sense the COVID. DARPA implantable microchip to detect Wuhan virus. Pentagon reveals microchip under skin that detects the COVID. Um, Pentagon unveils microchip that can detect COVID, mm. a DARPA-funded implantable biochip to detect COVID-19. Um, I mean, there's just headline after headline after headline.
2: Yeah. Well, we don't need any of that, FDA. obviously. I mean, that kind of goes along with the uh, the passport thing, right, that they're pushing.
1: Yeah. They say FDA to approve <laughs> syringe-injectable chip. I mean, this is just insanity stuff. That's what they're doing with the extra tax dollars they have. And this is kind of why I say we're allowing government to run amok with this income tax money. They've got too much money. We need to rein in the federal government by defunding. A significant part. Of the, one of the best ways would be to get rid of the income tax. Now, Rand Paul, I'm sorry, Ron Paul, not Rand, that's the son, Ron the father. Ron Paul had a big debate with Glenn Beck over this very issue and ron's like let's just abolish the irs and then glenn's like well what would you replace it with and ron said nothing and glenn laughed at ron and said you know you're ignorant we got to have the money somehow you can't just get rid of it and ron said you know what we're not even using that money to pay for the proper role of government and i can prove it why don't you go do your research glenn you're a little bit ignorant on this and believe it or not glenn beck did the research and came back and admitted i was wrong ron paul was correct
2: Oh, wow. That's interesting. That's a good point that Ron Paul made, you know. And another thing, side of that, as you go back in the history, uh, before the income tax, Often, the federal government ran surpluses. They actually had more money than they needed without all this huge amount of uh, infusion of cash. And nowadays we look and say, well, somehow they don't have enough money for all that they are doing or want to do. How is that? We're giving them just tons and tons of money, but they're still insatiable. So well, buddy, uh, when you build bridges you know, real,
1: to nowhere and when you go ahead and create, you know, chips under your skin, to monitor, your blood for the COVID virus and stuff like that. And you have endless projects, every, anything in between that you're spending money on and funding and everything else. Are you surprised when they run out of cash?
2: Yeah, it really, it's, it's like somebody that, uh, With their home budget or lack of budget, they just, you know, they can either run it as with the idea of, well, I have endless supplies of cash because I have this magic thing called a credit card and I can just charge whatever and and never have to pay for it. Or you can run it with the idea of reality that, you know, uh, really we have a limited amount of money coming in and uh, we're going to actually plan and and, uh, use it only for specific things. So that's what's happened with the federal government. We, and it's really, it's a change of the education of we the people. Uh, largely, I would say, with the institution of um, uh, public schools, government schools from the 19th century, um, most people are, are educated, propagandized, in thinking, well, the federal government should be able to do whatever it wants. doesn't matter what the Constitution says. And uh, that's where we are until we change that way of thinking uh, I would say a mass exodus from the government schools would help out greatly with that, that, uh, that we're, we're going to see this problem continued and people just saying, well, the government should just, uh, you know, fund basically be Santa Claus and do, do whatever it wants and send us money.
1: Now I, got an interesting, I got an interesting question for you to answer before the end of the hour, Eldon. Here it is. The First Amendment guarantees me freedom of the press. That means I. It doesn't say except for if you want to print money. It doesn't say that. It just says I have freedom of the press. So can I just print money myself? Uh, the answer clearly well, is no, right? Y- you can, but you'll go to jail. The answer is no. So the government's yeah, the I only mean, one that exactly. has that authority. But yet they can only gain authority from us. They get their uh, they get their authority from the consent of the government. That's us, right? How do they have authority that we don't have?
2: Well, actually, the federal government. Yeah, constitutionally only has power to coin money, not to yeah, print go. up bills of credit.
1: And that's why so, I ask uh, about this dollar scenario to say, hey, which is the real dollar? You have power to create the Federal Reserve. Note, not. You have power to create the Treasury-minted uh, Silver Eagle Silver Dollar. And it takes 38 fake ones to buy one of them real ones now. And that's why I'd be interested to ask Joe Biden. The real question is, hey, which one is the real dollar, sir? Let's, have, let's get rid of the fake news stuff immediately, shall we? By the way, it is tax day, ladies and gentlemen. What a shameful day in America. We're kind of mourning that day. We're highlighting the history and the reality. And hopefully Americans one day will wake up and call a halt to the con game and reject the Communist Manifesto planks and return to the supreme law of the land. The truth shall make us free. Honest money is the issue. Honesty is the issue for that matter. Eldon Stahl with me, jbs.org, thenewamerican.com, hour one in the can, hour two coming up. We've got a couple interesting things to talk about. We want to talk about state nullification. We want to talk about protecting law enforcement for the good that they do. We'll do it all in seconds. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. God Save the Republic. This is the broadcast for April the 15th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two, and sadly it is tax day, a day of abuse and infamy for literally a hundred years now. we got to call a halt to the con game and wake up and reject the communist plank called income tax, folks. <laughs> yes, we do. So we've been talking about that with Eldon Stall and Brian Russ last hour. This hour, I want to talk about a couple of topics that are really important. State nullification is one of them. Um, talking about protecting law enforcement and understanding uh, the proper role of law enforcement, etc., is another, but before we get to that, I went to the com, Incredible magazine, it, one of my favorites. They have some of the best in-depth, detailed reporting uh, of anybody. And I saw this headline, and I want Eldon to respond to this first because it 's just awesome, and, and it really kind of articulates, in my opinion, uh, the value of the checks and balances that America is known for. Now, I know we haven't been using the checks and balances properly, and that's why we're in trouble. Uh, but the checks and balances are vertical and horizontal. So you've got the three branches of government, executive, judicial, legislative. Those are three direct separations of power. And then you've got also the states versus the federal government, the county versus the states. So you've got separations, jurisdictional boundaries, and etc. all through the system. Brilliant. By the founding fathers. But we need to insist on those checks and balances. And if we don't, we lose uh, them. And if we do, we certainly have the authority and the power. Remember, government derives its just power from the consent of we the people or the governed. And so any power they have that we didn't give them consent for is not just. All right? And that's really the kind of quintessential point to understand here. Nevertheless, here's the headline that really highlights this, in my opinion, in a literal way. It's from The New American, thenewamerican.com. Headline says, COVID turned governors into petty tyrants. Now legislatures want the power back. Luis Miguel writes the piece for the New American. Incredible headline. Eldon?
2: Well, uh, it's kind of like trying to put the genie back in the bottle, but it is possible. Uh, Legislatures, uh, now this has happened over probably decades, past various acts that said, you know if there's an emergency, we trust the governor he wouldn't abuse this power, and he can basically or she uh, suspend laws passed by the legislature and act as if uh, you know he or she is a king or queen uh, without regard to uh, limitations on their power and, you know that that was the assurance back at the time of course we know that uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely and we found that out firsthand last year didn't did we not now legislators are saying uh let's let's put some limitations on this at, at various degrees in various states uh that depends on us really how much we insist that it be because uh, if we if we don't care whether we have a republican form of government, if we just say, you know what, uh, I kind of like having a king, um, just uh, electing state legislators for uh, for show, just to just to be there for uh, for props rather than to actually represent me and my uh, lib- and protect my liberties, then um, that that's what we'll have. But if people actually insist on it, then we'll we'll go back to some sense of sanity uh, with regard to uh, form of government and how it treats our liberties.
5: Well,
1: ladies and gentlemen, I uh, appreciate and I agree with Eldon that it's kind of a hodgepodge and it's like putting the genie back in the bottle. I concur with the point. Uh, However, I really love uh, Eldon's point that it is possible. And I know it'll take a lot of hard work and it'll, you know, there'll be people kicking and screaming uh, temper tantrums like little kids when you deny them their power. But nevertheless, it can and it must be done for the safety, and for the good of the republic, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the reason that I started with a headline, COVID turned governors into petty tyrants, now legislatures want to take their power back is because really the way to go about it is to use some of the principles of the checks and balances that our founders gave us. And state nullification, an idea deeply embedded in American history, The newamerican.com another article, but uh, along the same lines, really, Um, because, hey, legislatures are getting jealous, they want their power back, and they can do so by nullifying a lot of what the governors and or the federal government uh, is doing. I think nullification is a peaceful process. It is a well-documented, deeply embedded idea, principle, that was uh, really part of American history to rein in petty tyrants, to separate powers, to chain individuals and small groups down by the Constitution to prevent them from gaining too much power. Eldon.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, misconception or or misrepresentation about nullification, uh, how the founders uh, viewed that. And basically what it meant, at least in their minds, was, well, we have a constitution that defines the meets and bounds of government power. We swear an oath to uphold those meets and bounds. And if we do not uh, insist that those limitations be enforced, then we're not doing our duty uh, upholding our oath uh, that can apply to the of course the federal officers but all officers at all levels they um, they have an oath to uphold the u.s constitution of course to the state officers they also have an oath to uphold the state constitution so when you have uh, you know m- many times we talk about nullification as enforcing the u.s constitution but it it can also be used to enforce the state constitution and say, you know, Mr. Governor, Mrs. Governor, uh, you don't have that power. You can't just make a law and force everybody to you know, obey it call it something else to make it sound better. Uh, you can't do that.
1: Now, I think it's really hard to get states <clears throat> to push back against the federal government and to get the legislative bodies to push back against their governors. And the reason I think that it's really hard is um, money. Let me give you an example. Ammon Bundy's in a big fight in the state of Utah or Idaho right now uh, because Governor Brad Little up there literally suspended Liberty and created a state of emergency and then an extreme state of emergency in Idaho over the COVID, and because he worked with the federal government and carried out their bidding on that, he got $8.1 billion in the state of Idaho for COVID funding. And then he basically declared that, hey, that money, there's no laws governing the money because it came through this unique emergency channel. And therefore, the governor can dispense of that money at his pleasure. $8.1 billion for the little state of Idaho. Literally a million and a half people kind of a thing. Uh, And he basically then claims he can do whatever he wants with it. And so he's putting together kind of a team, his own hand cherry-picked people, uh, to spend the cash. Um, It's very difficult to counter that. Eldon.
2: Uh, yeah, that, that is difficult, um, but it's not impossible uh, if we insist that. Uh, because what hap- what has to happen is the people need to be educated to the point where they realize that that money is being used against their interest. So it doesn't really matter how much money it is, but we got to say no. Uh, that money is being used to purchase our liberties. our liberties are not for sale, so we 're going to insist that our liberties be respected, and you can take a hike and uh, you know we 'll get a new governor i don 't care, and uh, we'll just uh, we'll move on with our lives, and uh, we, we don 't want any any form of money being used to say uh, push lockdowns or or whatever it might be that's the attitude people need to have our, our freedoms are not for sale
1: there's no doubt about it uh, I think that the checks and balances are brilliantly put in place by the founders and I think state nullification is one of those checks and balances to say hey you know what federal government you don't have any authority or any right to give money you don't have to states states by law have to have balanced budgets they're balancing their budgets by turning on the federal spigot of dollars uh, and the federal government has no authority uh, to give money that it doesn't even have it's in debt to its eyeballs what 30 billion on the books i mean 30 trillion on the books with a t and if you do unfunded liabilities and everything else you're getting close to 300 trillion dollars uh, it's not sustainable we don't have it and we can't continue to drink from the economic bottle Comparing it to alcoholism for the economic bottle of false prosperity. All we're doing is basically delaying the hangover. And the longer we delay it, the worse it'll be when we're forced to account. Eldon. All right, we'll try to get Eldon back. Uh, In the meantime, though, so forced to account is critical, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what the checks and balances are all about. That's what nullification is all about, this deeply embedded American historical principle of dividing power between the legislative, the judicial, the executive, between the states, between the federal, between the counties, rejecting global government altogether. These are serious, serious principles that can bless America and bless Americans if we let it, right? Uh, I think these checks and balances are critical to the restoration of the Republic, Eldon.
2: Yeah, definitely. If we don't have uh, checks on on the growth of power, of course, we're going to have power growing indefinitely. And uh, that's unfortunately largely what we see at the federal level. Um, People are are letting, well, you know, one thing I, I point out to folks is if you complain about Congress selling their votes, uh, don't be selling your own votes. So, uh, you know, don't let your let your own vote be bought off. Uh, yeah. It goes both ways. Well, that's a poignant reality check
1: for folks, right? What are you selling your votes for? Those who will bring home the bacon? Those who will uphold the sacred cause of liberty? Those who will insist on the checks and balances that made America great? Who are you voting for? And what drives your vote? Fair questions from Eldon Stahl. We'll talk more in seconds on your
7: radio.
11: Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things, and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example.
7: Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
0: With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. We're with Eldon Stahl, John Burt Society. He's a field director doing a great job helping people understand the sacred cause of liberty. The new American.com, great, great stuff. We're talking about nullification, an idea, deeply embedded American history. This is something... I really think the only way to gain ground on this, though, is to have the American people educated enough and insisting on uh, these divisions of power vertically and horizontally across the republic. Uh, Without that education, without the people supporting it, it's going to be a row to hoe, to say the least. But if enough people demanded it, you know what? If enough people insisted on it, it would happen. And that's your primary point, right, Eldon?
2: Well, yes, uh, that's Obviously, it takes education, it takes understanding of the people to uh, to enforce that and to push for that. But, yeah, um, we have the government that we insist upon. And uh, if we don't understand the rules that are in the Constitution, then, of course, government's not going to play by the rules because we don't know the rules. How can we insist that they be abided by?
1: All right, there you have it. Very Interesting stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Great articles from The New American. And, you know, I really want to kind of point out, part of the checks and balances in America relate to law enforcement. And I want to be very careful with the word enforcement or law enforcement because they're really not supposed to enforce laws. I think that name uh, really does disservice to the police. Okay, I get that enforcement's necessary, but in a, in a, in a constitutional republic... In a moral society, which the founder said, in a religious society, which the founder said, you know what, our government, our constitution is only created for those who are moral and religious. It will will not do for any other. And when Alex de Tocqueville or Alexis de Tocqueville said, hey, America's great because America's good, he meant the morality of the people. In other words, primarily the people are self-governed. If they're the sovereigns, if they're the ones that have the power given to them by Almighty God, and then they delegate that power by the consent of the governed to government um, jurisdictions, then it's wise to understand that we, the people, need to be self-governed. Once in a while, somebody gets out of control, but it's the exception, not the rule is the point. Uh, And if we're self-governed individuals, the real need for police is very limited, very little. But it must be because there's sometimes bad actors, bad apples, people that, that run amok. Anyway, part of the checks and balance in America is if you're self-governed, there's not really a need for the cops. But the cops kind of become your buddy. You see them in the street, you're like, hey, sir, how you doing? Hope things are going well. Nice to see you again. And that's really about it. But they become a stabilizing presence in society uh, in that the bad actors know, hey, there's somebody keeping an eye on us all the time. Well, that's critically important in America. Now, there's all these calls for defunding of the cops. I think it's nonsensical insanity. Uh, Nevertheless, that's what they're pushing for. The people who are least governed want to get rid of the police. Very strange. Self-governed people are like, hey, I'm fine with the police being here. They're not abusing me. I'm not doing anything that I shouldn't do anyway. But nevertheless, I think one of the great checks and balances is uh, law enforcement. And I would say peace officers is the term that I like to use. But support for law enforcement officers, uh, another great article in The New American, Eldon.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing that we see, uh, the people that are pushing for defunding the police, they're talking about local police, the most accountable to you and me. They're not talking about defunding the FBI, defunding the the U.S. Marshals, the ATF or or other federal uh, uh, organizations that have basically police power and are enforcing federal law. They're talking about defunding the local county sheriff's office, defunding your local police department. Uh, those are things that, uh, if they do, uh, of course, from time to time, have people that uh, don't think, don't think, do things as they should. They're the most accountable to you and me. Uh, those are the ones they want to defund.
1: Well, and but, I think uh, we need the police. Yeah. I think we can work properly with the police, and I think what we need to do is provide proper training and proper support for the police. And I think government has intentionally, uh, and those who want to destroy the proper government, they've intentionally driven a wedge between we, the people, and the police, haven't they?
2: Yeah, well, look at what's gone gone on this last year with the COVID thing. Uh, the local gov- the state governments, health departments have asked police departments and sheriff's offices to enforce laws that really erode the trust that should exist between the people and uh, the local police, uh, they're asked to enforce things that are very arbitrary, that are not laws, and that uh, are not um, should not really be even considered as um, crimes. Uh, they're they're just uh, edicts from some some bureaucracy or from the governor or something like that. Uh, that's well, and that's that, something and that, that really it, goes back in my mind
1: to this, to this insurrection that they claim happened at the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, look, I, one of the big things that we need to understand is there's not a collective uh, in America where we say everyone's guilty or everyone's innocent. Okay. Uh, with each crime, there needs to be a victim. And so for somebody who went to the Capitol and who peacefully prayed And didn't go in, there's no crime. For those who even went into the Capitol peacefully, maybe they shouldn't have been there. That might be a discussion we can have. But if they didn't hurt anybody or harm anybody, where's the victim? And so I think that there's very few people, even in that whole scenario on January 6th, that you could say committed a crime. And we got to think of crimes a little bit more appropriately. It's not just because the government says it's a crime. A crime is where there's a victim, and I don't know that there's such a thing as a victimless crime. It's kind of an interesting concept, but I think we need to start there in our understanding, don't we, Eldon?
2: Yeah, I think so. Uh, You know, there are some things that I would counter. Some people say are are victimless crimes, but, uh, you know, prostitution or drug use uh, comes to to mind, you know, but uh, I guess if if I were to go out and... uh, you know, get do a bunch of drugs and uh, sleep around. Uh, I, it, it would be hard to explain that to my wife and children that uh, they are not victims. So: um, Well and I think society you know, becomes
1: true. a victim though, of immoral behavior. Remember De Tocqueville taught that if we, we're, we're, America's yeah. great because America's good. if we jettison our moral religious bearings, um, there are victims, and the victim oftentimes might be yourself. For example, if you commit suicide, you can't say there's not a victim, there's a dead body. Well, it's yourself that might be the victim. That's true. But the same thing is true with some of these immorality choices people make. Um, Your future spouse is a victim if you get some kind of venereal disease, uh, et cetera, et cetera. When you violate the commandments of God, there's a victim, uh, and and it might be yourself to be the victim. But there's no doubt that it's impossible to say they're not a victimless situation. Um, We're all societally victims. What if everybody slept around? One of the great ways that you can tell is Mm. what if everybody did it? What would happen? and you could tell that society would be destroyed. Everybody would be on drugs. There would be no trust yeah. in society because everybody would be sleeping with everybody. There's victims that you've got to look at a micro and a macro scale uh, sometimes to kind of put it in perspective. Uh, but make no mistake, there's victims in those crimes. It's not debatable. Now, I know the libertarians want to pretend it doesn't exist, uh, but they can only pretend for so long. What if, what if everybody in the society did it? What if everybody in the society literally did those things that's one of the great ways you can tell if something's immoral or wrong is if everybody in a society does something it should be just fine what if everybody went to church what if everybody uh you know what worked hard and made a living what if everybody okay so one of the great ways you can tell if something creates a victim or not is what if everybody did it what would happen what if everybody was on drugs what if everybody slept around and and, and didn't obey a, a moral code of any kind What if, okay, and and, and so that's one great kind of a aptitude test, if you will, on if there's a victim. What if everybody did it, Eldon? What if everybody
2: had a firearm? (laughs) There's a controversial one, but but would that be a crime? No, that would not be a crime.
1: I think it would be a blessing. The next thing I would say, though, is let's teach people how to use them properly so we don't have accidents. But other than that, I'd say it's great.
2: Right, right. But what, the, what, of course, tyrants have wanted to do throughout history is disarm the civilians and say only government people should have um, weapons, have arms. Uh, of course, there's, uh, there's reasons why they want to do that. They, they always use the excuse of safety. But um, just as an example, right, um, just owning a firearm should not be a crime or considered a crime by government.
1: Amen to that, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, I want to talk more about this support for law enforcement officers. We need to protect families. There's a bond that should exist between the peace officers and the people. We need to talk about education. We need to talk about what we can do to help. How do we work together for the stability and safety of society? We'll talk about it with Eldon Stahl, JBS.org, in seconds
0: protecting your liberties you're listening to liberty news radio
7: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
8: The Biden administration is planning to announce sanctions on Russia as soon as today. Sources say it will target several individuals and entities. The package of sanctions targeting several Russian officials will be coupled with orders to expel some of them from the United States. The sanctions would be part of a set of responses by the U.S. government to a cybersecurity breach, which was identified in December and that the U.S. government said was likely orchestrated by Russia. Violent protests continue in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, as demonstrators clash with police following the apparent accidental death of 20-year-old Dante Wright. Ex-Brooklyn Center officer Kim Potter is charged with second-degree manslaughter in the shooting death. She has since posted $100,000 bond. A group of House Republicans Tuesday will introduce a constitutional amendment aimed at setting the number of Supreme Court justices at 9 in reaction to calls from Democrats to pack the court in an executive order by President Biden to study the topic. USA Radio News.
5: Hello, this is Wayne Alaroot for our newest sponsor, Asset Strategies, or ASI for short. ASI is a precious metals powerhouse. They sell gold and silver. Never in history has there been a more important moment to buy gold and silver. ASI has been in business for 39 years. They've served over 20,000 clients and sold $5 billion worth of gold, silver, and precious metals with zero complaints. Last year, gold saw gains of 25%. Silver nearly doubled gold's performance. Now Democrats are in charge. Green New Deal, Open Borders, Free Healthcare for for illegals. Bailout broke cities and states. The debt is about to go through the stratosphere. The time to buy is now. The owners of ASI, Michael and Rich Checkin, have been my close personal friends for 16 years. ASI is the company I trust when it comes to buying and selling precious metals. Call now to receive a free consultation and a free one-ounce Silver Eagle with every qualifying purchase when you mention the Wayne Alleroo Show. Call 800-831-0007. That's 800-831-0007 or visit assetstrategies.com.
8: President Biden's announcement of pulling all U.S. and NATO troops out of Afghanistan has been met with criticism. Dan Araki from the Ohio USA Radio News Bureau has more.
6: President
3: Biden announced Wednesday that all American troops would be leaving Afghanistan by this September 11th. About 2,500 troops are still currently in the country. But the decision has been met with criticism. Admiral James Stavridis led NATO operations in Afghanistan for four years, and he tells MSNBC that he would have advised the president against pulling out and hopes the U.S. will continue to fund the Afghan military in their fight against the Taliban.
9: I don't know if the outcome is going to be better or worse, but I do know as a military officer it's never a good idea to tell your opponents we will be off the field by this date certain. The
8: United States entered Afghanistan October seventh, two 2001. Congratulations to Chicago White Sox pitcher Carlos Rodon for throwing a no-hitter Wednesday night, beating the Cleveland Indians 8-0. This is USA Radio News.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Eldon Stahl. On your radio, promoting God, family, and country, protecting life, liberty, and property is who we are and what we do. That's our claim to fame, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about support for law enforcement officers. We're talking about families of those law enforcement officers. We're talking about protecting the bond that exists between the communities and law enforcement officers. Okay, We can do so through education, through programs, um, briefings. We can provide charitable support for police officers that have lost their lives in the line of duty. There's a lot we can do, ladies and gentlemen. We can provide protective equipment. We can provide training. Um, we can provide memorials. There's a lot that can be done. There's a website that highlights a lot of this, lecf I-N-C.org. Uh, and this is really kind of an important thing we need to realize. The police should not be our enemy. Sadly, the media and society and government and everything else has divided the police from the people. We've got to change that. And the way we do that is we back our constitutional sheriffs, we support our police officers, uh, we help train them in de-escalation tactics uh, to not view the public as, as enemy number one, etc., there's a lot we can do through these programs, through this uh, these efforts, uh, Eldon. And I really think we need to make a huge uh, dent in this serious problem now. We can't just run around and defund the cops. Now, maybe some less money would be necessary if more people were self-governed. I get it. But at the same time, we can't just look at the cops as the enemies and defund them. That would be pure insanity. Um, there's a lot of work we can do, though, to work on this relationship, this cooperative effort. Um, this, uh, what do we call it, protecting the bond is the term that it, it should be used here, um, between people uh, and those police officers that serve them. Uh, self-governed people don't have a problem with the cops. The cops don't have a problem with self-governed people either would be the point. Eldon?
2: Yeah, you know, one thing I noticed very quickly when I, I was uh, uh, spent two years in Argentina and Buenos Aires is that, There was not really a bond between the police and the people. If there was not a police officer, uh, within sight, basically people said, we can do whatever I, whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. So, uh, one stark, uh, illustration of this was, uh, went to a local small grocery store and their security system was they hired, uh, you know, kind of an elderly gentleman but he stood just outside the door with a shotgun. So anybody that uh, happened to steal something, uh, that was pretty much the end of them. Uh, and that, that was their security system. Now, of course, that uh, gets rid of due process very quickly. Right. <laughs> but uh, uh, they, they did for one thing, they didn't have really any, any uh, faith in the, the local police the, or the uh, there, there was two sets of police. They had either the militarized police, which they feared, or the, uh, you know, the police that were basically useless, that didn't even have any, any sort of weapon, and they rode around on bicycles, uh, and, and those people, you know, they didn't respect either, because what could they really do for you? Um, but we in America, we have actually locally controlled, uh, locally accountable police. Now, it's, that, it's being eroded. But uh, Law Enforcement Charitable Foundation is something that we can uh, do, uh, utilize to, as we say, protect the bond that exists between community and local law enforcement. Uh, they do uh, a number of things. Uh, one thing that they do not do, they do not, uh, you know, as far as grants, they don't give uh, military equipment uh, to local law enforcement, like, uh, unfortunately, the federal government is doing. Uh, I would say that erodes the bond between the people uh, but uh training let's say uh, in constitutional principles kind of like uh, cspoa uh but let's say a, an officer dies in the line of duty they have some family members that are surviving so what can you do to help them out well they may have children uh they can give educational grants to that family to help them uh, if they want to have their children go uh, for free to um Freedom Project Academy. So there's one example. Um, but uh, also for um, protective equipment, um, body armor, there, there's actually a grant application on the website. And uh, you can look at, look at that and say, okay, uh, if your local law enforcement has a certain need that LECF might be able to fill, then great uh they might ask you to do some local uh fundraising um certainly people with if there's a real need and you can uh, demonstrate to the local people that um that can be part of it but it you know come up with a, maybe a certain percentage locally uh, but that's it's a great it's been a great blessing to people across the country since it started in 2016 um and uh, one of the things LACF does is they have an intelligence brief You've probably heard of the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center brief, which uh, decides to tell people all about these terrible, nefarious groups that um, support the Constitution and as if they're uh, tr- should be treated as terrorists. Uh, the LACF intelligence brief is kind of the uh, the antidote to that, <laughs> and you can you can read that on on their website as well, LACF dot or dash inc dot org.
1: L E C F is in Frank. L-E-C-F dash I-N-C dot O-R-G. They're doing a tremendous job. And one of the things I think we really need to focus on is this civility idea. We don't need angst between the police and the people. What we need to do is create cooperation. And it starts with trying to understand. It starts with putting yourself in the shoes of the other uh, party. You know, law enforcement have become trigger-happy. But you know what? Uh, They're not trigger happy because the people they deal with are just so civil and kind and obedient and patient and self governed that there's no problem. The reason they're trigger happy and the reason they're so hostile and think the uh, enemy is public number or public number one is the enemy uh, is because that they deal with just trouble day after day after day after to where you know what you can't help to some degree but get hardened and go, you know what, I don't want to. I mean, I want to come home to my wife tonight. I don't want to. And so uh, you say, I got to take action quick and decisive because if I don't. You know what? I'll be the one in a body bag, and I gotta. And so, this isn't created by self-governed people, by religious people that obey commandments and obey God's laws and obey uh, proper, legitimate societal um, guidelines. The Ten Commandments come to mind for starters: "Thou shalt not kill," uh, etc. Um, if people don't violate those things, if the cops don't get hurt and don't die and don't uh, have trouble on a consistent basis, cops won't become hardened uh, against the people. So I'm not. Uh, here to, just to blame the cops. I'm here to blame us as individuals in society. We're not a very self-governed people. If we were, we wouldn't need as many cops. And the cops certainly wouldn't be running around thinking that uh, everybody's a bad guy. They've been kind of trained by reality to believe much of that. Now, I'm not defending their view of that. and I'm not defending their behavior related to that. But I'm telling you, it didn't come from nowhere, Eldon. That's important to understand.
2: Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, historically, uh people that have wanted to have uh, you might say tyrannical power over their people uh they've promoted what we would call vice and uh, because they know that uh, the people that are uh, kind of their their time is occupied with all all kinds of vices uh that they are more easy to govern because they are um they have all kinds of societal problems you might say and they have a demand for heavy-handed government rather than uh, just uh you might know, say, governing their own actions without the need of, uh, government, some sort of government outside intervention to, uh, restore just simple order in society. Uh, so, uh, that's, that's always been an interest of, uh, of tyrants is to promote vice, uh, rather than virtue. Um, and certainly the, the, there's always going to be some level of that. Uh, but uh, we we don't want to we don't want to increase that or promote that or give opportunity to more vice <laughs> that uh, that works in the, in yes, that. the interest of government. But here's what's interesting:
1: they tell you that the John Burt Society or the New American is anti-government. They say Sam Bushman is anti-government, etc. <laughs> but let's be clear: let's by their fruits shall ye know them, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman. Liberty Roundtable Live, Eldon Stahl, Liberty Roundtable Live with the John Birch Society. We're promoting support for law enforcement officers and families. Our goal is to protect the bond between community and local law enforcement. We want to do it through education, through programs, through funding, through charitable donations and charitable support for families of police officers killed in the line of duty. We want to provide grants to provide law enforcement agencies with protective gear and equipment. We want to help with training. We want to help with memorials when things don't go well. Um, L-E-C-F-inc, inc.org, LECF-inc.org. LECF-inc.org. Uh, that's what we're advocating, folks. The civility, the morality, the working together. Eldon?
2: That's right. We're not anti-government. That's uh, That would be anarchy. We're not for anarchy. Uh, And basically, communists and the fascists, they've always been for anarchy as a way to um, build support for total government. Hang tight,
1: Liberty Roundtable live in seconds.
7: Third takes a short lead. Elwood glances over. Now back to the plate he sets. The pitch. It's swung on strike three! They've won it! They have won it! World
5: champions! Jim, what's it like down on the field? John, it's a madhouse down here. I'm, I'm trying to get to Bob o with the winning pitcher. Bob, Bob, how does it feel winning the seventh game on a strikeout? Yeah, I I, I thought he'd be looking for a slider, so I came on with
7: my fastball.
5: World champions! Is this the greatest moment of your life? Absolutely
7: not. Jim, the best moments for me are breakfast with the kids. Long walks with my wife just holding her hand, you know?
11: Marriage. You're never too far apart when you're still holding hands. From your neighbors, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
7: Jim, when was the last time you held your wife's hand?
5: Well, it's, it's, it's been a while.
7: I tell you, you need to step up to the plate, Jim.
11: For more tips on strengthening your marriage, visit family.mormon.org.
9: If Planned Parenthood were what they publicly declare themselves to be, they would welcome transparency. Transparency. We all know why they hide, because we know what they hide. We can confirm federal judges who follow the Constitution rather than reverse engineer their preferred policy outcomes. The truth about abortion is spreading because of advances in medical imaging, because of brave journalists, tireless activists, compassionate doctors nurses, and other health care professionals. The rising generation of young Americans is the most pro-life in decades because they know too. And one day soon, we will reaffirm our nation's principles in their dignified fullness and avow once again that all men are created equal. All are entitled to life.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. I got another story that I want to discuss. It's an article or a headline uh, just released now. We've heard about packing the Supreme Court by the Democrats for a while now. And uh, right now, what's there's nine Supreme Court justices, from what I understand. Historically, it's been seven or nine for quite some time. Right now, it's nine, right? Anyway, now Democrats prepare to pack the Supreme Court they want. Uh, four more justices. Eldon, you want to respond to this one?
2: Well, basically, this is uh they're, they've basically said we want to get complete power by any means necessary. This is one of their tactics. Uh, another one has been to try to get rid of the filibuster and the U.S. Senate. Uh, another one has tried to add four more U.S. Senate seats by adding two more states. Uh, to try to solidify, uh, just make sure that there would be no opposition to their uh, push for absolute power. Um, this is this is something that we need to push against. Uh, but uh, the other side of it is we need to, for a long time, we have needed to push against the idea of judicial supremacy. If we would not, as a people, have accepted the idea that the Supreme Court is the last word on any matter under the sun, then... Uh, You know, this really wouldn't be that much of a threat. they could add 100 judges and we'd say, well, okay, that's just their opinion. Uh, We're going to um, nullify that. We're going to go against that and not enforce it. But that's where we are today. A large number of the people have said we've got to accept the idea that the Supreme Court can tell us that, um, you know, the the Constitution provides for um, giving puppies and kitties to everybody or whatever they dream up.
1: Um, how many judges historically, um, have we had? Because I, as far as I understand, it's been seven sometimes and nine sometimes, right? But I don't know that it's ever been more than nine, right?
2: Uh, I don't know on that. I'd have to look that up. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not in the constitution how many judges there should be, but, uh, You know, I I think the Congress has avoided trying to add more judges uh, because of the uh, controversy around it. But it it really should not be that controversial. Uh, Congress could add, you know, however many of the judges they want to. uh, But, you know, also Congress has the ability to, well, the Senate has the ability to say, we're not going to approve that. Uh, nominee we're just we're just not that's right, so
1: just so everybody understands you've got to ask the question: why do nine justices serve on the Supreme Court in the first place? if we're going to talk about adding four more, we've got to kind of understand it historically, and the answer is because the Constitution for the United States of America does not stipulate how many justices should serve on the court? In fact, that number fluctuated until eighteen sixty nine Did you know that?
2: I didn't. That's a good little tidbit. Yeah, um, you it's know, really, what's going that, on folks. is we we've established the Supreme Court as this sort of oligarchy over our, you know, rather than having this the U.S. Constitution be supreme, we've established the Supreme Court as supreme and as what form of government we should have and what it should look like and um, what should be the supreme law of the land. Uh, the question should really be. Should we be ruled by an oligarchy as the supreme ruler of our, our nation, or should we go back to limited government under the U.S. Constitution? If we just said, hey, we're not going to live under an oligarchy, then it, it wouldn't matter how many justices there would be on the Supreme Court.
1: Now listen carefully to me. Before 1969, the Congress would adjust how many justices they wanted based on political opinions and purposes and et cetera. Believe it or not, sometimes in America there was only five justices. Did you know that?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. The U.S. Constitution is silent on how
1: many judges. All right. Now I find that interesting.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Believe it or not, the Congress, uh, not the Constitution, decides how many Supreme Court justices there are. So, this is nothing new, is your point. And here is the, in my opinion, quintessential point. They can make it 13 if they want to. We can nullify if we want to. The separation of powers still is in a play, regardless of what they do. So, they've done this for political purposes forever. This is nothing new, people. So, I'm not for necessarily increasing the number of Supreme Court justices. I'm not for packing the courts at all. And so, I hope that the Senate rejects it. Nevertheless, Even if they do, I believe Eldon's point is absolutely the focus point. So what? We can nullify. You guys get out of control, and hey, we're not going to tolerate it. Believe it or not, when George Washington signed the act into law, created the Supreme Court justices, he set the Supreme Court justices at the number six. Did you know that? Why six, you said? Well, because Supreme Court justices back in those days, were also appointed to sit on federal circuit courts in which there were 13 in 1789, one for each state. Each circuit court would be presided over by three judges, one district court judge from the state and two Supreme Court justices. The justices had to spend almost the entire year traveling, by the way, back in those days. So that's kind of interesting as well. The traveling conditions at that time obviously were horrendous, so it was pretty much a brutal job back in the day. But to limit the geographical area that the justices had to travel, the Judiciary Act of 1789 divided the circuit courts into three different regions, eastern, middle, and southern. So anyway, they had six Supreme Court justices, two to preside in each of the three regions. Um, I find that stuff fascinating because we get all caught up in this, like we're going to riot, let them make the number 13, let them make the number 5, let them make it 6, let them keep it at 9, let them make it 7. What we need to focus on is the checks and balances. And if they get out of control, we need to nullify now. And so I really think we need to take the (coughs) column here uh, about this and and not get all up in arms and get all crazy like, oh, my gosh, 9 is just the number that everybody's been for. Well, it's been pretty stable since 1789, but no one quibbled even at the time that uh, six was an even number, which created the possibility that you could have three split decisions because in each three regions, you would have two justices, and if the same case became before each region, you could literally have three split decisions. They never even thought about it because all the judges were Federalists, and they didn't for C, great disagreement, said Marcus. Plus, you didn't have all six justices appearing at the Supreme Court at the same time because of the travel reasons. Very interesting, different dynamic than we see today, sir.
2: Yeah, very different. Uh, you know, nowadays we're, we're basically arguing over, well, how many oligarchs should we have ruling over us as a people? Well, how about none? How about we, you know, there's a revolutionary idea. How about no oligarchs? And we just obey the Constitution. But uh, that's why it's such a controversy. Anytime someone's nominated for the Supreme Court, what is your position on Roe v. Wade? What is your position on blah, blah, blah? Well, it shouldn't really matter because if they make some bonehead decision, uh, the the states can come back and say, you know what, Uh, that's your opinion, and uh, we're we're just not going to enforce that. End of story. You know, but, uh, I personally support it, an
1: idea of reducing the number of Supreme Court uh, picks. And, and because I, in my opinion, the Supreme Court, the uh, the judiciary branch was meant to be the weakest branch of the three, if you will. Uh, and so I would personally support reducing the number of justices, letting them have less power, not more. The more power, the greater their number, the more political it becomes, the greater manipulations they can create and wreaking havoc on the people for political purposes. I'd reduce them down to five if it were me. And I would deny presidents picks. I'd deny that being a political discussion altogether uh, if it were me. So very, very interesting uh, discussion about Mm -hmm. the Supreme Court. But people are freaking out because Democrats are preparing to pack the court. Amen. It's been done before. It'll be done again. Uh, No big deal. Our power lies in our states and their ability to nullify. Our power relies in the checks and balances, ladies and gentlemen. Our power lies in self-governed religious people that understand the proper rule of government. And we depend on the, the checks and balances for stability, not on a single branch of government with almost godlike authority. We don't believe in God-makers in America, je- ladies and gentlemen. We believe in the rule of God's law. And we believe in the power of self-governed moral individuals that obey those laws by choice, by using their agency wisely. The exceptions must be dealt with, but they must remain exceptions, Eldon.
2: Yeah, that's right. You know, one great example of nullification in history is uh, the nullification of the Fugitive Slave Act by the, the state of Wisconsin, the, the Supreme Court, even of Wisconsin. They um, they had a, a fellow that uh, helped violate the uh, Fugitive Slave Act, refused to uh, deliver a fellow that was accused of being a runaway slave back to his uh, uh, alleged owner. And uh, this is his name is Joshua Glover. And uh, what happened was the state Supreme Court uh, nullified the decision of even the U.S. Supreme Court said, you know, we're not going to deliver this guy to the federal government to be tried for violating the Fugitive Slave Act. We're not. Uh, It also illustrates the fact, of course, that nullification had nothing to do with supporting slavery. Uh, It was used uh, in the exact opposite way. But uh, we can certainly use nullification to enforce the Constitution. and um,
1: In other words, back in the day, it was used to make men free, sir. Let's be clear. Yes,
2: it was. It was.
1: And I would submit, justly so.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something that, uh, of course, intended to be used to enforce the U.S. Constitution, as, uh, uphold our rights as individuals, as a free people. Uh, it's not something to say, okay, we're just going to pick and choose what laws we're going to obey and whatnot. Um, It should be honoring our oath under the Constitution. And and state legislators, sheriffs, a lot of people can uh, play a part in that. The governors, uh, they should. They should stand up to this tyranny.
1: Well, it's important to know that a fully informed jury is on the same lines where the idea is to say, hey, we need to judge the law And the justness of that law, as well as we need to judge the case before us. And if the case before us doesn't support a just law, we need to jettison the injustice of the law as much as we need to deal with the case uh, before us. And this fully informed understanding uh, relates to how the Supreme Court justices should behave. They're there. People think they're there for life. They're there upon good behavior for life. And if they abuse their judicial power and become activists on the bench... And try to make law or interpret or manipulate law in, in, in unjust ways, they need to be jettisoned and impeached and removed from office as well. And the founding fathers back in the day didn't have any qualms about that either, sir. Anyway, thanks That's for right. being alongside with the right, Eldon. We'll have you back soon, my friend.
2: All right. Thank you so much. Hope you have a wonderful day. There he goes. Eldon
1: Stahl doing a phenomenal job. JBS.org, the new American.com. Incredible organizations doing phenomenal work. Liberty Roundtable Live aims to bring all the good people doing all the wonderful things in America to your attention. That's who we are. That's what we do. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word, donate, share the truth. We the people can restore America. This nation shall endure. God save the
4: Republic of the United States of America.